Welcome to Brain Talk, a podcast about the latest thinking and research in neurology with a specific focus on epilepsy and other seizure-like disorders. Today's episode features Stratus's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Jeremy Slater, and Director of Tampa General Hospital's Comprehensive Epilepsy Program and Neurology Professor at the University of South Florida, Dr. Salim Bembedis. Dr. Slater and Dr. Bembedis will be discussing the use of ambulatory EEG during COVID-19 and the developing future of ambulatory EEG. Let's take a listen. You may have noticed there's a, a pandemic. <laughs> in Florida and Texas, especially. In Florida and Texas, especially. This has had, I mean, it's impacted on virtually every aspect of medical care at, at every level. Yep. Um, certainly within uh, epilepsy centers and epilepsy monitoring units, many of which were uh, closed initially because of, and some are still shut down because of uh, shutting down elective admissions. And even with readmissions, many of the patients are fearful, understandably fearful about going into the hospital. So from your standpoint, um, what do you think the overall effect of the pandemic is currently on care? And how do you, what do you think the, 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 the long-term complications or out, uh, effects of this are going to be, um, or are there going to be? Are we just going to go right back to normal once it's done? Well, I think the, 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 the pandemic was, was and is a great opportunity for neurologists or epileptologists who haven't used ambulatory studies to make use of them and see how they work. Because like you said, we've had, first of all, we were closed for about eight weeks. The EMU, as I'm sure most of them, were closed. So we were using, we always use ambulatory study, but we were using even more. And it was nice to tell the patients instead of, listen, uh, we're closed. We'll see you in two months for your monitoring. Well, we have another option in the meantime. We can try doing it at home. And most of them welcome that. Most of them welcome that. So I think that was an incredible uh, plan B. You may have seen that I even sent a couple of correspondence to colleagues encouraging them. If you have never used ambulatory studies, here is your perfect opportunity. Because like you said, even when we reopened, patients are still a little reluctant. I had one who uh, messaged me yesterday after I saw her at clinic Monday. And we decided inpatient, I offer her the option. When everything else is equal, by the way, I offer them the option. I say, okay, mm -hmm. you can do it at home. You can do it in the hospital and everything being equal as you as we discussed sometimes things are not equal right. but everything being equal i give them the choice she said well i prefer the hospital okay great and then the next day she messages me you know after talking to my family with this covid uh, again in florida when i i prefer the ambulatory so we changed it so patients like you said are reluctant and hesitant and and i think this is a great opportunity for centers who don't use much ambulatory studies to try it and see how it can help. Do you think that'll, are they going to keep using it once the pandemic is over? Do you think they're going to rebound to, you know, long established habits? Many of them, many of my colleagues and your colleagues view ambulatory as competition to their EMU. I don't, I never have. We have a seven bed unit. We do 50 surgeries a year. We love inpatient monitoring. And despite that, we order ambulatory studies left and right. So there is absolutely room for both. Um, but many 
colleagues do not see it that way and it makes them nervous that it's going to take revenue away from the hospital and from this and from that. And because I don't do anything for revenue purposes, but you know, I understand the financial pressures for, for practicing docs. And, but I, I don't think it's competition. I think the two work together and, and they're, they're, we use both. That's all I can say. We have a seven bed EMU, which is, I maintain fairly full. And we use a ton of ambulatory studies. So I think there is- What do you- The pandemic you, should be an opportunity for neurologists who don't use it to try it. What do you think of the, the proposition that ambulatory studies could actually be beneficial for EMUs over the long term? Because you can reach more patients at greater distances, identify the ones who really have epilepsy and bring those into the epilepsy monitoring unit for surgical evaluation. Yes, that is a very good point. I think I put it in my, in my correspondence to colleagues, in fact. And the fact that many EMUs, as you know, have ridiculous waiting periods, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. People call for bad seizures and they tell them, yeah, the next available is in 12 weeks. And the ambulatory studies could help to funnel this and, and channel this better so the wait for people with severe intractable epilepsy, possible surgery candidates or neurostimulation, what have you, don't have to wait three months. So yes, it, th that's a good use of ambulatory studies, especially patients with very frequent events. Like almost use it like a screening and then you decide who goes into the expensive EMU. Okay. Um, right now, a true phase one pre-surgical evaluation, even though I've seen a paper that claims it can be done in an ambulatory setting, I think most people would agree it needs to be done on an inpatient basis. You have close nursing interactions with the patient to monitor semiology, that sort of thing. Do you see a point in the future where that might change? I think for certain patients, it's already very possible. We're fixating on old ways as we always do. But the main points you, you made, the, ma the main points are medication reduction and the fact that you have nursing, trained nursing and technologists who can test the patient during the seizure. So th those are valid points in favor of inpatient. But in some cases, again, give me a good EEG and a good video. I don't care if it's obtained in the bathroom. It'll, do, it, it'll help me to make a diagnosis. Would it, would it be worth developing, for example, technologies that would allow that same nursing staff to do those seizure assessments via, say, you know, Zoom, some, some type of telemedicine platform in the patient's home? Like we are doing now. Yeah, I, I think it might be. Uh, it's still, I mean, as you know, it's invaluable when the nurses go in during the seizure and things we can't see on video, patient is drooling, left eye blinking, you know, they comment. And so that's, that's really valuable. But in some cases, yes, I'm sure that will be possible. Let me, let me add one more scenario where ambulatory is very handy. In, okay. in primary generalized epilepsies with absence seizures, and I get a lot of these patients when they are refractory and there is an issue of driving. The patient is controlled, but you want a long EEG to see how many discharges are they having, how often and how long are the discharges. There is no need for inpatient here because I want to see how he's doing on his meds right now. And there is not much to see on video. By definition, those seizures are subtle and easily missed. So what I want is a count of spike wave complexes. That's a great scenario for a three-day home EEG video, not really necessary. If somebody insists, I'll put it on, but it's not really critical. What I want is a count of epileptic discharge. 
So there are all kinds of scenarios where it has a role. I, I, I have a question which is actually not even on top, uh, but this is actually something that I, I've wondered about over the years and we addressed it a little bit when they rewrote the, uh, the driving laws with respect to epilepsy in Texas a few years ago. And if you have uh, chronic epilepsy and at some, over some period of time it was medically refractory, but perhaps it's not at this point, um, but your seizures are sufficiently infrequent that you qualify to drive in your state. It is still possible between the drugs and the long-term neurologic complications from having the illness and the repetitive seizures that you can have cognitive deficits that will make it a really bad idea for you to be out on the road. So, and, and I, I have an opinion about this, but it's just an opinion. How do you feel about the fact that we only use seizure recurrence as the metric in most states to determine whether or not somebody can drive. We don't do, for example, it's not mandated you do an occupational therapy driving assessment. Yeah. No, it should be. Uh, I mean, there are other driving assessments, for example, for visual, mm -hmm. or I know my Parkinson's colleague have a, a simulation thing to see if motor ability uh, would allow for driving. So there are other measures, but yeah, we, you and I are pretty narrow focused on the seizure burden. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, that's a, that touches on a, a larger topic that we probably don't have time to go into today, which is the impact of epilepsy, not simply being a disease about seizures, that there are co comorbidities that are created by the disease state itself that you can make somebody see, probably the one that sticks out in my mind, and this will be, I'm sure it's happened to you as well, where a patient uh, had surgery, was seizure-free, and came back with a, ref a increasingly refractory depression. And it was probably eight months later she had her first recurrent clinical seizure. But her major problem at that point weren't the seizures. Her major problem was, was the depression, which was directly related to the underlying seizure activity. And I always have the feeling that we're still at the point where we're just sort of focusing on the tip of the iceberg. We are. Good to know I'm not alone in this. <laughs> I think we are. This podcast was brought to you by Stratus, the leading provider of ambulatory in-home video EEG testing. For more information about Stratus, please visit our website at www.stratusneuro.com.